0: podcast today is brought to you by philadelphia and its surrounding counties which has delivered to you president elect joe biden you've heard it here folks. first folks even though as of time as of the timing of this recording it is 9:58 on saturday morning the networks have some reason not called this race yet but Pennsylvania, specifically Philadelphia and its surrounding counties, also Allegheny County, I'll give Pittsburgh that shout out, but the turnout in uh, Montgomery County, Delaware County, and Chester County have been explosive, and I will be taking credit for that. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I'm glad to be recording this episode today with this. I decided there's no new episode this week, so I decided I would do an AMA because I just... My brain is fried. <laughs> this has been a long and stressful week for most of us probably, and I just couldn't imagine recapping something, so I asked on Instagram for AMA questions. If you are not interested in hearing about politics or my personal life, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but I'd like, That's what this podcast is going to be about. Things about my personal life, things about politics, and that type of stuff. Um, I have a major announcement in that I got bangs last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I have spent this morning absolutely spiraling over it. I loved it while she was cutting it. I was like, yes, I'm all in. This, I mean, obviously it was my idea. I was so excited. Um, I watched Queen's Gambit <laughs> on Netflix a couple weeks ago, which I liked. I actually liked it. Um, I think it was like, I have a lot of critiques of it, but at its face, I liked it. I really liked Anna Taylor Joy, I think is her name, or Anna Joy Taylor. I really liked her and she had bangs for a lot of it. And I was like, I really want bangs. And then I was looking at pictures of me as a child with having a similar haircut that I have now, but with bangs. <laughs> so I decided to get them when I realized Joe Biden was going to definitely win the election. Well, I realized on Thursday. Actually, I realized by like late Wednesday, I guess. Um, once Pennsylvania really started coming back. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Fuck it. And then this morning I woke up and was like, oh my God, I fucking hate these. I hate them. And I think what's going on is one, they actually feel very weird. It feels very weird to have hair sitting on my face, especially because my hair has been short for the last almost two years. It's been pretty short. Yeah, I guess almost full years. Two, I can't even speak. A full two years. So I'm like not even used to being able to like like pull it in front of my face at all almost so having hair fit sit on my face is very weird then the other thing is that I just like am not used to seeing my face with bangs and I have a little callic like a I actually have like three calcs on my head that make my parts very weird. And my hairdresser was like, you're going to really have to like train your hair to stay down in this one part. And last night I was like, yes, 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 I'll do that. And then this morning I was like, oh my God, I made a huge mistake. It's never going to fall right where I want it to fall. I just, I don't know. I had a moment as soon as my mom's door opened this morning, I like sprinted out of my room and was like, do you still like my bangs? (laughs) Uh, I've sent about, To my poor friend Maria, I sent her about 18 Snapchats going through my thoughts and feelings. Then I realized I was just trying to fix them with my straightener. And so I wet them, I blow dried them, and they feel okay now. I'm at like an okay place. And I'm hoping within a week I'll like them because I think I like the idea of them. And I right now I'm looking at myself in the reflection of my turned off TV and I like them. I think it looks cute. But it's just it's difficult. So that's really the big news of this country, right? Is that I got bangs. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but my well, yeah, obviously you know this. My best friend Thea is Orthodox, which means Orthodox Jewish, which means that she keeps Shabbat, which means that she doesn't use electricity, kind of. Um, from Friday night to Saturday night Saturday night, you use electricity, you just can't it's hard to explain. You can't actively use electricity, so what you do is like you turn lights on in your house and then you just don't, you can't turn the lights on or off, but they can stay on. Um, She uses a, a uh, not a stovetop. What's the word? (laughs) I can't think of the word. This is crazy. I can't think of the word in English because they call it a plata, which is Yiddish. And it's not a thing that I use in my everyday life. So I can only... That sounds really wild for me as who only speaks English. She'd be like, I can't think of the word in English, but I really can It's called a plata. I guess like a hot plate. It's like a big, like a griddle kind of. And she sets that up on a timer so that stays warm so she can heat the food up that she made. Um, You're not supposed to rip paper so you ripped toilet paper. So that type of thing. So she has her phone off and I sent her a text yesterday and was like, I can't believe your phone is off for this monumental occasion, which is me getting bangs, not Joe Biden possibly winning. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I figured that was worth talking about. Probably not. Okay, I did an AMA. I asked on Instagram for people to ask me questions. And I got quite a lot of Questions about, like, the election and how I feel about the election. Uh, So I figured I would start with that. I got, like, three or four questions kind of repeatedly and then a bunch of different ones. So I think I'll go through those first and then ask kind of the more specific ones. So my thoughts on the election. Okay. Should we talk about my election journey? Which is obviously all day on Tuesday. I'm, like, out of my mind. Oh, first somebody asked me how I voted in Pennsylvania. I, okay. (laughs) Okay. I guess I requested a mail-in ballot. I did vote by mail in the primary. I mean, the primary was, like, in June in Pennsylvania. And I, like, still, I was like, I'm voting for Bernie Sanders to make a point. No, no point was made. But I vote in every election. Um, I, since probably 2016. I mean, I've all, I've been voting since 2006. When did I turn 18? 2006-ish. I've voted in every major election since 2008 for sure. But I would say since like 2012, no, I mean, I would vote in the primaries on off years if it was something I cared about. Like if a senator was run, if there was like a Senate race, I remember really, um, what was that guy's name who was, I'm really having a blank, who was a Republican in Pennsylvania and he was a longtime senator and then he turned to a Democrat he got primaried out by a guy named Joe Sestak, who didn't end up winning, I'm pretty sure. But I remember, like, voting for him in the primary, and that was, a like, an, a non-presidential year. But I would say in the last, like, four to six years, I've voted in pretty much every uh, election. I vote every May and every, well, whatever month the primary is and what state I'm living in. And then every November, even in, like, the small, like, a 2017 type of year, I definitely vote in that. So I always vote. i like to vote. I really like to vote. It's very uh, pleasing for me. I enjoy doing it, and I also like when I <laughs> when I go to the polls on like a primary in two thousand seventeen, and the ladies are like, "Oh, a young person." <laughs> So I voted by mail in the primary, and then I requested a mail-in ballot, I guess, while I filled out the primary ballot. And that came, well, first, then I applied for another mail-in ballot because I didn't realize that I applied for it on the primary uh, ballot. So that got rejected, and there was this whole big confusion. But then one came for me. And then I was, like, kind of panicked about it because, obviously, the USPS stuff and just, like... I didn't trust putting it in the mail. Then they were introducing the drop boxes. But I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. So at first I was thinking that I was just going to go and spoil my vote, which in Pennsylvania, like you can bring um, if you get a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot, you can bring the entire ballot to the poll, like including the envelope. Like it has to be like fully in the ballot. Um, So you can bring that entire thing in. And fooling the ballot, fooling the envelope. You can bring that entire thing in, they spoil it, and then you can vote in person. Uh, I was going to do that because I had fed into this paranoia that, like, there was going to be election, like, that there was just going to be shenanigans. And then I kind of realized that I was just playing into Trump's bullshit. I decided, like, two months ago... So I, my cousin Brian and I had a phone conversation maybe two months ago in which we had really whipped each other up into a frenzy and, like, really <laughs> talked on the phone for, like, two hours just, like, panicking one another about what we'll do with this election. And then I, after that, I realized was like, this is really unhealthy. I... I think that I'm feeding into what Trump wants, right? Like, I can criticize the people that I think buy Trump's bullshit all I want. But the reality is, is when I feed into that, I'm also buying Trump's bullshit. Like, Trump wants me to believe that he is going to steal the election. Trump wants me to believe that he's not going to leave the White House. Like, Trump wants me to believe all of that. And so I kind of stopped feeding into that and I like took on a more zen attitude, which is what I try and do with a lot of stuff. It's really based in um the 12 steps and positive psychology. By the way, if you've never seen it, you can go if you're interested in positive psychology, you can go on YouTube and watch a video called This Is Water. I think there are a couple versions of it, but look for the one that's like animated and acted out. You'll be able to tell. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes if I can remember to do that. But it's called This is Water. I watch it in rehab. I watch it about once a year. It's really, really important to me. It's a, a speech, a graduation speech by David Foster Wallace and who, you know, opinions on David Foster Wallace aside, it really is all about like perception and the way that we think about the world. And so I decided to adopt that attitude when it came to the election and not feed into Trump's bullshit and paranoia. So... All that to be said, I oh also I was worried that when I got to the poll, that there might be confusion with the poll workers, not really sure how to totally spoil the ballots, and then I would have to vote provisional, which I didn't want to do. So I dropped off my mail. I dropped off uh, my ballot. I dropped it off at the well, I was going to just take it to the library by my house. And my mom was like, nope, 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 you can't do that. You have to take it to the county commissioner's office, like, which is only 15 minutes from my house. So I was like, okay, I'll just go do that. It took a minute. Uh, There was actually like 300 people there that day trying to get ballots to vote early, which was crazy. Uh, Because Pennsylvania doesn't have traditional early voting because Pennsylvania likes to suppress the vote. And (laughs) so a lot of people there were trying to get ballots so that they could Basically, Pennsylvania's early voting is that you can go to, like, the county election commissioner's office and request the mail-in ballot that day and then drop it in the box that day. Like, that's their version of early voting. But because I was just dropping in the box, it took one second. I was able to walk right in. It was easy. I think I did that three weeks ago. And at least two weeks ago, if not three weeks ago. I did it a while ago. So that's how I voted in Pennsylvania. Um, how do I feel about the election? And did, I think one of the questions was like, what? how did you expect it to go versus how it's going now? So I will say up until two-ish months ago, I was very sure Trump was going to win. Here's the thing. I was a fucking idiot in 2016 and like truly did not believe that Trump could win the election. Like when I say an idiot, like I remember going to vote for Hillary Clinton Tearing up at the thought that I was voting for the first woman president, posting on my social media, I just voted for the first woman president, feeling so proud and so amazing, which, by the way, we can get into it about Hillary Clinton, right? Like, I've come a lot. I've moved way to the left since 2016, like, way, 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 way to the left. Um, I guess that's one thing for me that happened after 2016 is I got a lot more aware of leftist politics and a lot more aware of, like, what I don't like about um, traditional liberal democratic policies in the United States, but that's neither here nor there, right? So I was like literally destroyed when she lost, like probably a lot of people, except for my mom, apparently, who was like 100% sure that Trump was going to win. She was like the only person in America that was sure Trump was going to win. So I decided that like I would not let that happen this time like I was not going to allow myself to feel that way because I just felt like I threw up like I was sick I was literally sick to my stomach it was the worst night I have long said that I guess I was how sober was I I was like almost two and a half years sober at that point I guess maybe like exactly two and a half years sober um depending on what day that was but I was, like, two and a half years sober, and I do remember that night. So I had an asthma attack this that day, of course, and I had gone to the hospital because my, like, nebulizer wasn't working. I didn't really know what to do. And so I went to the hospital, and they gave me this thing called Vistarol, which is essentially just very strong Benadryl. It's, like, prescription-shrink Benadryl, but it helps with um, anxiety. Like, they give it to you in rehab. It's, a, it's an anxiety med because an antihistamine, like, makes you tired and that helps with your anxiety. So it's like a, a non-abusive, act, fast-acting anti-anxiety medicine, right? Like obviously does not work anywhere close to a Xanax or feel anything like a Xanax or work any anyway as good as a Xanax. But I can't just take one Xanax. I take four Xanax and have like an eight-hour blackout. So that's not really an option for me. So they gave me viscerol because I hate, um, when I have asthma attacks, I get really bad panic attacks at the same time. And that, like, it's just a mess. So they gave me Vistarol for me to be calm. And I remember I had, like, the bottle of 30 Vistarols or whatever on my nightstand. And I was like, I should take all of those. Like, that was probably the one time that I was, like, close to relapsing. Which, like, okay, I know what you're thinking. Like, would that be a relapse? But for me, it would have been because I really believe that, like, any – if I'm taking, like – a mass amount of over-the-counter drugs to, like, get out of my head. Like, for me personally, that would be a relapse because it's the same concept. Um, Like, I, like I take NyQuil if I need to go to bed. Like, it's it's not that, like, I can't take over-the-counter drugs. My thing is it's, like, instead of taking – if I took, like, six NyQuil because I just wanted to, like, knock myself out, that would be a fine line. If I took a whole bottle of Visterol because I just did not want to feel – That would be a relapse. And I do remember like looking at it and being like, I really, really want to take that right now because I feel so sick. Like, I cannot believe this. I can't deal with this. I don't know how to process this. So honestly, election night 2016 was absolutely the closest I've ever come to relapsing. But I didn't, you know, I, I pushed through. And so I was, like, so sure that I would not feel that way again. And then when Biden won in the primaries, I was really mad because I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan, obviously. I was really pulling for Bernie. Um, I liked Elizabeth Warren, but I kind of didn't like how she ended up backing off Medicare for all in a way that I felt to be not great. Um, I know she, like, supports it for the most part, but I... And have, in a primary, I'm not voting for anyone that is not, like, 100% Medicare for All. Like, I, we will implement Medicare for All. Like, that is one of my biggest uh, policy concerns in the United States of as of now is Medicare for All. Uh, obviously, like, I'm very liberal with a lot of stuff. Like, I think we should get rid of the Hyde Amendment. I think the, <laughs> the government should be uh, totally supplying abortions for free to everybody. But I so I supported Bernie and I was rooting for Bernie and when you know the South Carolina returns came back and uh, and then became very clear that Biden was going to win, I was like not pleased and I really spent like a couple months being like I don't even know if I can vote for him and then I realized like of course I'm going to vote for him like what of course I am because I truly believe that if you want there to be a third party option in the United States it does not come from the presidency this is something that i really really believe that if you are interested in third party politics that you need to be organizing like at your school board level and your city council level it's never going to be a top down process for there to be a third party it is going to come from grassroots small organizations and when there is you know if you can get them on your city council, then maybe you can get a state congressperson, and then maybe you could get a United States congressperson, and then maybe a senator, and then maybe a president. Like, it's going to have to be a very slow and steady change, and it's going to be really hard, and I personally don't believe the way to do that is um, via, like, presidential elections. It's just never going to happen. So I was like, I don't even know if I can vote for him. The Tara Reid stuff happened, which, like, I don't know. I mean, I... Believed her. I get, like, I believe Tara and I am not going to sit here and tell anybody that they should vote for someone that's a rapist or they believe is a rapist. I'm, I refuse to do that. Um, and I really like grappled with that a lot, but what it came down to is that I don't believe in a third party presidential vote, and I believe in the Supreme Court, and especially now that Trump has been able to put three Supreme Court justices on, which is just, I mean, to get three justices is so mind-boggling. The fact that Ginsburg and What's-His-Face didn't retire when Obama asked them to in 2014 is very shitty. But what's his name? Stevens? Was that Stevens? Is Stevens still alive? I can't remember. My brain is so fried right now. But I really believe in that. And actually... (laughs) If you listen to, I did an episode on my Patreon, Liz Explains It All podcast, patreon.com slash Liz Explains with my best friend Thea and we watched Jesus Camp and in Jesus Camp they had the kids chanting and praying for righteous judges. They were all chanting righteous judges, righteous judges and Thea and I like had a real reckoning with that and that like that was kind of the attitude that I adopted, although I really In 2016, I was like, anybody that doesn't vote for Hillary is a fucking monster. Like, fuck them. I can't understand why anybody would vote third party. And I will say I've like definitely moved away from that. And I'm really not into shaming people for not voting. I'm really into not. I'm really not into shaming people for voting third party. I just personally don't really understand one not voting because like I said, I've always been a voter. I remember being little and just like being so excited when I would be able to vote and I take voting very seriously and I think it's really important. So I can't even understand not voting really. I And I don't think it's a logical choice necessarily to vote for a third party president because like I said, I think if you care about third party politics, you need to be doing grassroots base level organizational stuff, not just voting for Joe Gorgensen or that Hawk guy, or whatever his name is, for the Green Party. But I have definitely stepped away from like, you must vote for Biden or you are evil. I really just don't believe that anymore. And I did believe that in 2016. And like, that didn't work. <laughs> so I've moved away from that. So, all that to be said, where am I? Oh, so this summer, I eventually came around to the fact that like, I'm voting for Biden. You know, I think he'll be an okay candidate. The debates happened. I was like, he looks pretty good. I was really worried about his cognitive functioning. I mean, I still am like I still am. But I do at least believe that he's going to have semi capable people in his cabinet and around him. Um, I'm definitely worried about how moderate everything is going to be. I don't think that this Presidency is going to be an answer to anything, but I think it's definitely like harm reduction and just being able to put the brakes on Biden or put the brakes on Trump. And I mean, the reality is, is we don't have the Senate most likely, depending on what happens in Georgia, which, by the way, if you care <laughs> about politics in the United States and liberal democratic politics, please, please, please go and donate time or money to the runoff special election in Georgia on January 5th. It is extremely hard for Democrats to win a special election. Special elections are so hard to win, especially two months after a huge presidential race. People are tapped out. They are so tired of politics. The last thing they want to do on January 5th, which is for, like, the worst week of the year, like <laughs> January 2nd to January like 11th is truly the worst time in the year. It's so sad and depressing. And the last thing people want to do is show up, Democrats show up to those in way smaller numbers than Republicans, because just in general, all Republicans will go vote in those off election, uh, like those non-normal election times. So if you care, there are two Senate seats up for grab. There are two Democratic candidates. I was going to say good Democratic candidates, but if I'm being honest, like I've not looked that into them so i don't want to be like and they're great and then find out one is like actually pro life because now i guess the democrats are fine with pro lifers that's a whole different story right but um if you want a democratic control of the senate it is important to support that i've donated $25 which is not a ton of money to it's like, <laughs> like I I donated twenty five dollars. Like it's almost like I'm bragging. Like there's nothing to brag about that to Fair Fight, which is Stacey Abrams' campaign. Um, if Georgia showed us anything, not her campaign, her organization, and if Georgia showed us anything in this election, is that he, we really need to like stop. The belief that the Bible Belt is red, and accept the understanding that the South and the Bible Belt is red because of voter suppression. I mean, Mississippi has like an insane amount. I read that Mississippi has got eight hundred thousand Democratic votes, which is more than some states get total votes. You know, there's just major voter suppression. If any, if Georgia showed us anything, it's that. And so I donated to Fair Fight and I'm going to look into more ways to get involved because I do believe having the Senate is obviously extremely important. So, okay, hold on. I need to take a quick break, like just a quick break, and then I'm going to get into the rest of this. Okay, so where was I? Oh, so by, I don't know, by October, I was like, I think Biden has a really good chance of winning. Like I do. I was looking at the polls, which is a whole other thing, right? Like I, I was really good actually about not being emotionally involved in, t- in the election until about October 15th ish. And then I like gave all into it, which is my natural state. Because as I explained on this podcast, like I care about everything and I care too much about everything. It's a really annoying habit of mine. Um, So I got Really obsessive. I was reading every tweet of Nate Silver's from five thirty eight. His poll, his president, the presidential polls ended up not being that bad. The down polls were really bad, and by October I was kind of like, I think Biden's gonna win, but like I couldn't let myself think that because I'm very, I'm a very superstitious person. I hate to say that, but I am. I'm a superstitious person. I just am not with everything, but with some things, I'm very superstitious and which I am going to get into in a second with my next topic I'm going to talk about. So I was like, I think he can win. I think he could win, but I'm not sure. And then even though every single report said that Trump is going to win all the in-person votes because the Republicans are not voting in person. And then once the returns come back on the right in or the mail-ins, like Joe Biden is going to get a significant amount of votes. So even though I knew that, once Florida and Ohio came back on Tuesday, I was like, oh my God, he's fucking winning again. I was like, I I cannot deal with this. And I I decided at like 10 o'clock, I was like, I'm going to bed. I like I can't believe that I feel this way, but I'm going to bed. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to read that Trump is president, but I like that Trump won, but I can't deal with this tonight. And whatever, I guess I would rather wake up and see it. Like I was having this thing like, do I want to know before I go to sleep or do I want to wake up and find out that Trump won the presidency again? So then I went to bed at like 10 ish on Tuesday and slept through Trump's speech declaring himself the winner, slept through what I call the agony period and woke up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom because I go to the bathroom 100 times a night because I drank so much water. And I woke up and it was four o'clock in the morning. I'm like laying in my bed, really trying to will myself back to sleep. Because if there is one thing I'm actually kind of good at, it's when I wake up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I like don't pick up my phone because once my phone is picked up, I'm like awake Um, and I can fall back to sleep pretty quickly as long as my phone doesn't come into play. So I was but for like 15 minutes, I'm laying there and I was like, fuck, I'm not going back to sleep. So I opened my phone and this is like almost when the first mail-in started coming in. And I looked and I was like, oh, huh. Oh, okay. This isn't bad. Okay. okay. And like Michigan and Wisconsin were coming in and I was like, oh. <laughs> and they had called Arizona. So I was like, huh. Oh, okay. And I was like, wait, so Actually, the way I did election night was really good. I slept through the agony, right? And on Wednesday morning, as if any of my uh, group chat friends of my bigger group chat, I have a small little group chat with four of us and then another one with like eight or nine of us that are internet teen friends that were all met via Teen Mom, basically via Teen Mom Reddit. And now we're all quite good friends. And then the bigger one, everybody was doomsday spiraling. And I was like, guys actually, because they had stayed up and watched Trump and were just like in the full agony. And I was like, we need to count the votes. Like I on Wednesday felt pretty good. Like by Wednesday morning, I remember I like posted on Twitter and Instagram and I was like, just let them count the votes. I was like, keep calm and let them count the votes because I'm feeling pretty good about this. And then you know, most of Wednesday during the day, I was, like, feeling great. Then once returns kind of stopped coming back midday Wednesday, then I, like, kind of crashed and felt awful. And then by Wednesday night, once it was, like, very determined that uh, Tr- or uh Biden was going to take over Pennsylvania, I felt good. And even though they have not declared Biden uh, president yet, president-elect yet, like, I feel good about it. i felt good about it since since Wednesday morning, essentially, spare like a couple of hours. So yeah, I'm glad that what happened happened. Obviously, I'm disappointed in the down ballot races. I think the Democrats, the Democrats need to figure some shit out when it comes to down ballot races, especially. Um, I'm very happy with like just the insane turnout in this country. I think it's really great. And I feel okay about it. Um, i I'm not that worried about Trump not leaving. I think a lot of people are, but, and I understand why they are. And I'm not sitting here being like, just don't worry about it. Like, just don't think about it because that is the least constructive, like, help. Like, (laughs) I hate that shit, but it's really worked for me to just chill out and just, like, kind of accept what will happen. And I also think that, one, Trump... Doesn't actually want to be president, and I think once he kind of accepts that he loses, Trump is going to make so much fucking money when he leaves the White House, and I think he's going to love being able to brag that he made the most money as president because he's made so much money illegally, you know, gray area wise, whatever. Since being president, uh, I think he hates living in the White House because the White House is kind of, if you don't notice, like the White House is not very nice as far as like accommodations like obviously it's nice and I'm sure 99% of us that are listening would find it to be very nice Uh, but if you are used to like penthouse style Mar-a-Lago style living like the White House is not very nice and I think that he is going to leave and I actually think that when he goes to Mar-a-Lago for Christmas I think he might just not come back like he might just not Come back is kind of what I'm thinking. But I think that he's doing this to rile up his base so that he can start his own TV network or whatever he's planning on doing. I think that he knows that if he puts up a little bit of a fight, his base will be really happy. But I think he will concede eventually. Um, I think that, you know, they can say that it's a, a fake election, all they won, or fraudulent election, and where did the votes come from, even though it's like extremely clear where the votes came from. I think eventually. There will be a peaceful transition of power, and we'll move on. And I think Biden will maybe be a one-term president. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm i not sure how effective of a term Biden is going to have. I'm really not. But I will say that I feel a huge sense of relief that Trump is no longer president. Like a huge, huge, huge sense of relief that he will no longer be president. I feel really glad. And I am actually, as a person that doesn't... Um, As a person that always thinks negatively, unfortunately, even though I know I was like, I like positive psychology. I have to do that because my natural instinct is to think very negatively. I am letting myself enjoy this and I am letting myself be happy, even though, like, I don't, my policies don't align with Joe Biden, really. Like, for the most part, not really. And I really don't think as, like, a president he's going to be very good and I'm going to be that happy with his choice of cabinet members and this stuff that he does. But I'm letting myself like feel a lot of joy about this. And I'm really fucking happy. I'm really happy that Joe Biden won. And I'm really happy that Donald Trump is no longer going to be president of the United States of America. Like, I feel great about that. So that's all my election thoughts. Wow, I spent the first 30 minutes talking about this. People that don't like to hear me talk about politics, I hope they turned off and will just catch me next week. Okay, the next question I got a bunch of was, and I'm not surprised, I kind of figured, is how school's going. Now, back to the thing about me being really superstitious. So I've taught, if you follow me on Twitter, at BentleyLiz1 is my Twitter account name, which is where I post, like, all of my garbage thoughts all day long. I love Twitter. I really do. It's really, like, such a good outlet for me. But Twitter is where I post all of my garbage thoughts. Like I talk about school all the time on Twitter, but for some reason I really have been purposefully not talking about it on here because, okay, I'm going to try not to cry. (laughs) Here's the thing. As I've talked about a lot, like I have really bad ADD and learning disabilities and that whole drug addiction thing, right? So school has always been really hard for me, like always. It's never been um me like not getting it as far as the material goes. Well, <laughs> in math and science a little bit, sure. That's just me not getting it. It's me not being able to do the work. Um it's kind of hard to explain, but I'm sure if you have ADD or learning disabilities and you're listening, you understand what I'm saying. I've never been able to put in the effort to be a good student, even when I wanted to be. I just couldn't. Um, I was really, really scared of going back to school without Adderall. I barely graduated from college. It took me about six years, I think, to graduate from college. And there would be moments where I was doing really well. And like, you know, the department head is like, you should apply for the fast track grad school program. And then I would like, by next semester, I'm like failing all my classes because my life was just so unmanageable. And I decided to go to grad school and was really unsure of how it would go, like really, really unsure. But I did decide, like, I decided that I was going to make a commitment to try really hard. (laughs) like which i know sounds it's i know it's like very obvious like if you try in school and you put in the work like you probably would will do well like i under like i get that most people understand that but that's never been something that i've really been able to grasp a concept i've been really able to grasp and so i like made a commitment to myself that i was going to try really hard and really just like put in the time, you know, after my first week of classes, like I did the reading, we had to do reading for the first week of school, right? And I remember that weekend being like, oh, this is a lot of reading, which I knew it was going to be a lot of reading. But I was like, this is a lot of reading. And I was still like really unsure. And then, you know, we had our classes. I had my first week of classes and I was like, oh, I was like, I think I, I'm i Good at this. Like, I think I get this. Like, I realized that I really comprehended what I read based on like what we discussed in classes. And I was like, I think if I put in the work, like, I'm gonna be able to do well. And the reason that I haven't wanted to talk about it is because it feels very surreal. Um, at how well I'm doing. I, I want to emphasize that I spend a lot of time on school. A lot of time I spend. About twelve hours each weekend studying, like six hours on Saturday and six hours on Sunday. Uh, just like studying isn't the right word because we don't have tests, but doing the reading and writing, pa- like papers, I spend a lot of time on that. Um, thankfully, I believe in the pandemic is real, so I don't do a lot of stuff with my time. Um, so I, I I've been able to dedicate a lot of time to school, but I. <sighs> doing very well. I'm if all goes as planned, I will be finishing out this semester with a 4.0. Um it, it, the lowest grade that I've gotten so far is a 98.5. <laughs> um there was one day so my in my policy class, which has definitely been my favorite class so far, we didn't get our first grades back until October 15th maybe, like mid-October. So In my, in grad school and for an MSW, at least my experience so far, we basically get three to four grades a semester. It's like three papers and then like a participation grade is basically how all of my classes are doing it. And I, you know, in this policy class, it's like mid-October, we haven't gotten a grade back and we had to write a policy brief. And that's not something I've ever written. It was in a, we had to do Chicago style format, which I haven't done since undergrad, like since first or second semester undergrad when I was taking a lot of history classes. I really like just was not like I knew that I had written a good paper. Like when I read it back, it was like, I know this is a good paper, right? Like I I knew that. But I just wasn't feeling like I just was so unsure of like what my professor wanted. And it took her like three weeks to return this paper. The worst fucking thing about grad school is that you turn these papers in and then you have to wait two to three weeks to get them back. In my case, <laughs> it takes so long for them to grade, which like I understand, but it sucks. It sucks. It's like so you just like turn it in and then you just wait forever to find out if you did OK. It's very frustrating. You just spend all your time checking for it. Um, So it took her and it took her a long time to grade them because she had some shit come up. It was just really annoying. And then she finally sent out the grades and she sent this long email basically being like, You know, I graded, like, don't take my criticism as being, like, uh, antagonistic. No, it's in, she's very, she's very woke. She's like, no, it's in solidarity. I just want to make sure that everyone is writing at a grad school level. And basically just like being, like, if you got below an 80, you can read, I'll let you redo it because it's so late in the semester and I want to make sure that everybody does well. Basically just being like. A lot of you can't write for shit i think it was the message that i took away from it so i like opened it and i was like well i can write so we'll see and i got a 34.5 out of 35 and she asked if she could use my paper as an example in the future and wrote excellent in the description twice the only reason i got a 0.5 off is because i did something the formatting wrong which is so frustrating because i did it correctly the first time then i read back her kind of unclear directions doubt of myself so I changed it's basically uh footnotes versus endnotes and I swear to god she wrote endnotes in the instructions and she's like the only thing I took off is because you had to have footnotes not endnotes so I wanted to write back and be like actually your instructions said endnotes and so give me this fucking full give me a (laughs) hundred but yeah so I like burst into tears because I like, the suspense of it was so long and it took so long to get back. And then to see that, like, I got such a good grade and that she, like, liked the paper so much and wants to use it as an example in the future just really made me feel really good. And it just feels, it sounds very silly, but, like, the fact that I'm putting in the work and seeing the results has been, like, really fucking rewarding. You know, I've got, well, one of my classes, um, I'm taking, it's, like, human development. It's basically we have two classes that you can test out of, which is human development and then like a research statistics one, which I didn't test out of either. I got like a 70 on the human development one. And then somebody said they found it on Quizlet. And I was like, fuck, because I actually do know most of this stuff and think I'd be fine without it. This, the research one, I haven't, please, I looked at that test to test out of it. And I was like, I don't know how to do any of this. But that professor I think kind of knows that it's a test or a class that people can test out of and it's not as serious and so she just gives everybody 100s on everything at least that's what I'm pretty sure because I'm getting 100s on everything and like we had to do this group presentation and ours was not good it was not I mean I did most of it like <laughs> but it was not very good and she gave us a 100 but then and like wrote some compliments and then like a million, like, justified criticisms of it. So I think she just wants people to feel good. So that's great. So in that class, I'm getting 100s. But I feel like that doesn't really count. But in my, I'm taking a class called the dialects of, dialectic of oppression. I don't even know what the fucking class is called. I call it the oppression class. And we've done two papers so far. And on the first one I got, that was the first, like, hard paper I got back. And that was a, I think, a 24.5 out of 25 The last paper that we got back was a, he gave us a point, an extra point if we turned it in. Um, Basically, he extended the due date, but was like, if you turn it in by the first due date, I'll give you a a point extra, which is obviously a big deal when something's out of 20 points. So on that, I got a 20.5 out of 20, (laughs) which really without that extra point would have been a 19.5 out of 20. So I got a 20.5 out of 20. Um, Yeah, and just feeling... I just am feeling really good, like really good, because I, I'm i putting in the work and it's paying off. But I feel nervous to talk about this because I still have um, two grades left to get. Well, more than two grades. I have two papers left to be graded and then like participation stuff, which I think I'll do fine. I, go, I haven't missed any classes and do all the discussion boards and shit. So I'm like, you know, I... I, like, think they'll be okay, but I don't know. I feel very untrusting of myself, which sucks. Like, I want to sit here and be like, and talk about every week and be like, I'm getting a 4.0. Basically, my percentage across all three classes and 99%. I'm doing this while working full-time and doing two fucking podcasts. Like, I want to be able to feel really proud of myself for it, and in a way, I do. But on the other hand, it all feels very surreal and very fake and like uh it, at any moment like the rug is going to be pulled out from under me and like what actually happens in school is going to happen i my policy professor who i really really like we had an office like i went to her office hours uh, a little bit before the policy draft was due because or the policy brief was due because i was just like freaking out about it one night and then by the time office hours happened i like wasn't freaking out but i was like whatever i'll go talk to her because i like her and Um, She said something to me where she was like, you should stop doubting yourself. She's like, you like you you're doing the work. So why do you feel like you're not? And basically said, like, it's obvious what's happening is and I totally agree with this. It's like in undergrad and then, you know, from kindergarten through 12th grade, essentially, (laughs) I I always feel like now, I don't know how to word this, but in grad school, I always feel like there has to be something that I'm not doing because that's always how school is in the past. And like in the past, like there was always stuff that I wasn't doing and there was always stuff that I was like failing at in school. And so it's been really hard to shake that feeling that I'm fucking up and I'm not doing everything right. And like I I just don't have a lot of trust for myself in school. And it really sucks because like, I'm doing really fucking well. Like, I, you know, I probably have one of the highest grades in all of my classes. Like, I'd be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there are a couple of us that have similar grades. I'm sure, but like, I have one school friend because it's hard to make friends over Zoom, obviously. And like, I reached out to this one girl because we're in all three classes together. And I was like, hey, let's be friends. And like, She's doing well and I get like two points higher than her on all of the tests. So like I, I logically know that test papers, I logically know that I'm doing well, right? Like if I look at it rationally, like I'm clearly doing well. I'm getting very good grades and also I'm doing all of the work. Like I, I do all of the readings and I don't just do them. I take notes on them and I like really go above and beyond when it comes to the work. I just don't trust it to be real which is not great. It's not great. You know, like, I don't really like that I feel this way. Um, I hope that that I can shake that I can get some more confidence. And so yeah, that's how school's going. I'm really happy with it. Also, I at the beginning of the year, I like did a meeting with one of the professors because that I don't have, but like one of the professors in the department, she like offered to have a meeting with me after like a I don't know, like a, an open house thing that happened before class because I was like kind of freaked out. And she was like, in the first week of classes happened, I was like, I'm feeling actually pretty good. Like I, I have time to do the work. Like I like it. And she was like, just don't freak out in October because that's when people freak out. And then like I did, like I haven't freaked out at all. And so classes are done December 2nd ish. I think, um, our final cl- like I have two of Two of my classes have final papers due on the first and the second. We are having like a shorter semester because originally they were planning on having us go there and then they were going to move to online for like the last week of school, so the semester is shorter than normal. And, um, and obviously I like don't take finals because I write papers. So I have due. I have a paper due on November November fifteenth, which is done and graded. That's by my hundred percent. Professor, that was my Janelle paper, which people have asked if I'm going to put on Patreon, and I don't think so. I think before I wrote it, I thought I might, but it's v- kind of boring, first of all. Like, it's very heavy theory-based in a way that's, like, not that interesting, um, but it was good, and my professor had a lot of interesting questions, and she was like, this, this girl is sad, and she's like, you painted a really clear picture of it, but it was fun to write. It was actually hard to, like, limit myself because there was a six-page limit, and like I could have written 100 pages about her and it was hard to keep it like exclusively in the theory so no I'm not going to post it because it's honestly not very interesting <laughs> like it's it's just not very interesting but so that's graded and then I have um a policy reflection in my policy class due and then a a final reflection paper for paper for oppression and I'm done the policy reflection. I think I wrote a really good one. And then this week, I'm this weekend, I'm hoping to knock out the first draft, at least of my oppression paper. And I'm really planning on being done all my schoolwork except for reading going to class by like, next weekend would be nice. So I'll have like two and a half weeks <laughs> of not having to do my stuff. So like not only am I doing well, I'm like very ahead of schedule. And it just feels good. It feels really good. I'm really pleased with school. Um, I'm really pleased and it just feels weird to talk about because I'm just nervous that I am fucking up. I'm nervous that like I'm not, it's not going to be what I want it to be. Like I'm worried that I'm actually going to fail, which is hard. That's like really hard. And I hope in future semesters that I don't feel that way. And just before I move on from school, somebody did ask um, what my process for getting into grad school was. And I, I can't find it as I scroll through, of course, but the issue is, is that like, I don't know if this is like very helpful, but I kind of figured I wanted to just go to where I got my undergrad from because it's near my house and I like the school. So I, and it was cheap. It's like the cheapest MSW program, I think in the state, or at least in like the Philadelphia area. And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to apply here. And so I wrote an essay and then I got three letters of recommendation. Um, I had two for my last job. And then my friend Alana wrote me one because we worked together at like a sober living house. And then I did the interview and I got it. And it was like not an extensive process. But I don't know if that's like a a usual experience. And also like I didn't realize. Well, I once I like applied and was looking around, my program is like human rights based. And it's like very, very like, social justice-based, and I'm really glad that, like, I accidentally picked that because I can't imagine being in a school that wasn't like that. So I don't, like, getting into grad... Honestly, the biggest part about grad school and getting in was, like, me deciding to finally fucking apply and do the work. That really is it. Okay, wow. It's 50 minutes in. This is going to be a long episode. (laughs) Oh, one other question that a lot of people had was, like, where have you decided what you want to do with school? And I mean, I still think I definitely want to become licensed. Like, I think I want to be a licensed clinical social worker. But I really like policy. I really like policy, like a lot. I really like macro. And, I, you know, I've always kind of wanted to go into reproductive rights policy. And I would love, like my dream job would be to work for like the National Network of Abortion Funds, like an organization like that, or work for Planned Parenthood, but like um, Planned Parenthood Action Fund, I think is what it's called, like the non-clinical side, like work in their advocacy area. Like I would love to do that. And I think that might be my goal. And when I was talking with my policy professor about it, she was like, yeah, I think you could do that. She's like, yeah, that seems right. (laughs) And so, yeah, that I like... I'm not 100% sure, but I think I really want to do macro stuff. Okay, let's talk about some non-school stuff. Okay, the Nessa Graham asked, why don't you like a- Ethan from H3? If you don't know, H3H3 is a podcast on YouTube. It's very big. It's hosted by this guy, Ethan. And he's in my orbit because now he does a podcast with of Paytas, who is like my number one hate nightmare follow. I don't. Okay, I actually on the podcast that they do called Frenemies, I like him. I think I agree with a lot of what he says. I think as a whole, though, he's like very much just like a guy on YouTube, which if you watch YouTube and you watch guys on YouTube, you know what I'm saying. Like, I just don't like the way he talks about women a lot. Like, I don't like the way he jokes a lot. Like, I don't think he's that funny. Um, So I don't part- like in the past, I just never liked him. But I will say since watching Frenemies, like I really like watching how he interacts with Trish. I think that's very interesting. And I. Excuse me, I agree with a lot of what he says, but I, as a whole, I just don't really trust him and find him to be, like, very much a guy on YouTube. <laughs> okay, um, some of these I'm not answering because I'm, like, uh, somebody asked my thoughts on Asai Brinley, who I, like, kind- I don't even know if that's how you say her name there are a lot of people like influencers and YouTubers and stuff that like I see the name and I just like never interact with their content whatsoever. And she's one of those people. Okay, this one, (laughs) I want to, okay, I know this person isn't asking this the way that it kind of reads, but I want to clarify something. So it says, do you feel like you don't date because you're traumatized by the last relationship? Here's the thing. It's not that I don't date. I feel like that implying that I don't Date. Like if I know you're not implying that person who asked that, but like i have saying like I don't date, I think is like too much of an active phrase. It's not that I don't date because I actually am like not traumatized at all by my last relationship. It's been so long and I've done a lot of work and like who knows what will come up if I am in a relationship again. But like that really has nothing to do with it. The reality is I just fucking hate dating apps. <laughs> I hate dating apps. Anytime Every once in a while, I'll get on one and I'll start swiping. And I remember that I fucking hate it. I hate it. And like, I don't go to bars, even though obviously it's a pandemic now. So there's just not like a lot of places for me to meet people. But like if I met somebody I would like, I would like today and I would like to be in a relationship, I just am like, I don't, I know that like if I want to find a relationship, most likely I'm going to have to like put a lot of effort into the dating apps. And I just don't really want to do that. So when I say like, I haven't been dating, it's more of like a passive reason. (laughs) Because I just haven't met anybody. It's not that like actively, I'm not dating. I think that those are two different things. And I hope that makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, because I haven't slept with anyone in a long time, it'd be like saying I'm celibate, but like, I'm not celibate, because it's not like, it's not like I'm making a choice to be celibate. I just, like, don't really have a desire to sleep with anyone I'm not in a relationship with. And I'm not in a relationship, so I'm not sleeping with anybody. It's less of an active, like, I'm not dating. I'm celibate. More of just, like, I haven't met anybody, so I'm not dating. But, like, I I don't think it has anything to do with my last relationship, thankfully. I feel... When I read that, I, at first I was like, how dare she? Which is, like, so stupid. Because, like, I haven't been dating. <laughs> of course. And then I was like, why? Like... Why would anybody think I was traumatized by my last relationship? And then I like remember all the shit I've talked about my last relationship on here. I'm like, oh, yeah, that does make sense that somebody would like, know that I haven't dated anybody in a long time and know how awful my ex-boyfriend was and like put that together. But it's so funny because it just feels so far from like what's actually happening in my life. And so I just wanted to explain that. I just hate dating apps. That's really what it is. And it really, though, thankfully has nothing to do with my ex-boyfriend, which I'm really pleased with. Okay, Feeny G asked, will you start to recap episodes from season one? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, it depends on like what happens with Teen Mom. You know, maybe. I don't, maybe. Okay, um, Aaron wants to know when Teen Mom will finally be canceled. Girl, Never. <laughs> I'm Like, people have been calling for T-Mom to be canceled for at least five years and it hasn't happened yet. So (laughs) I'm not really sure if it will ever happen. She also asked me what my go-to Wawa order is, which so I really I mean, this isn't my go-to, but my favorite thing to get there is actually a mango peach smoothie. It's so good. I mean, it's a milkshake, right? Like smoothie It has probably 9 million calories with whipped cream. It's so good. I love it. And then I also really like, if I just want a hoagie, I just, (laughs) I just get like a plain, I'm, I have the palate of a five-year-old sometimes. I get like a plain, I just like a ham and cheese hoagie. I also like, they have these sourdough melts and I like a ham and cheese sourdough melt or I'll get like a cheesesteak sometimes. You know, they're like not that good, but I actually got a cheesesteak last night and it was pretty good. Um, so yeah, that those are my go-to Wawa orders. Okay. Oh, Jenna, girl forty-two says, "Who are your Animal Crossing cheering villagers? Do you still play?" So yes, I still play Animal Crossing. I definitely like fell off of it a little bit, like everybody did. I kind of was like, I feel like I'm out of things to do on this, and suddenly I went from like playing every day for hours. Once I went back to work, I definitely like my interest in it fell off because. When I wasn't working, I was playing it so much that it was just like so much a part of my day and then it wasn't a part of my day anymore. So I am back to playing it, though, pretty regularly. I probably went like two months where I only played like once a week maybe. And now I'm playing maybe three or four times a week. Definitely not as often as I used to play because I've gotten really into now Uh, redoing my islands for the seasons like I ripped up everything on my island and I am turning it for fall and winter and I built um, an ice skating rink and a pumpkin patch and I'm gonna do a whole Thanksgiving setup is my plan probably Uh, that's what I've been thinking of I have to figure out exactly how to do it and my dream villagers I don't really have any that I don't have I really like Fauna, Diana, and Nan those are my three favorite villagers Okay, Uh, Grace Allison wants to know, do you think you'll ultimately stop doing feathers? My hair and just do Liz explains. Uh, This is a good question because I don't know. So I thought I was going to have no time to do this podcast once I started school, right? I don't remember if I talked about this on here or not. But at first I was like, I was telling people behind the scenes that I was just going to totally stop doing feathers in my hair when school started and just do Liz Explains because I like doing Liz Explains more. Um, I just do. <laughs> I like feathers in my hair a lot, but um, I just like the freedom that I have on Liz Explains at all. And I was I didn't want to give that up. And I was like, well, I can't do two podcasts. Then I realized, I was like, I'm not ready to give up Feathers My Hair. I love my listeners. I love this platform. I I do like doing this podcast a lot. I just, in that moment, was like, I like doing Liz Explains It All a lot more. And also, the style of Liz Explains is much easier to bank episodes. I can't really bank episodes with Feathers My Hair, which is the issue. Um, because it's a weekly podcast of a new show that's on TV. Where with Liz Explains It All, I can just you know, record five episodes at once and then I wouldn't have to put it, I wouldn't have to record an episode for over a month. But I was like, I think I'm not going to be able to do Feathers in My Hair. So then I was like, no, I can't give it up. I love Feathers in My Hair. I love my listeners. I, I just, I'm not ready to like stop interacting with them. So I was like, I'm going to do Feathers in My Hair every other week. And then It just didn't happen because I've had time to do it. (laughs) Like, as of now, no, I'm not planning on stopping feathers in my hair. I'm planning on continuing feathers in my hair um, as long as I can. I really love having this platform. It's something that I really care about. So... My main goal is to keep it going four times a month like I have been every Sunday. I think that's really what I want. As of now, basically what I do is I wake up on Saturday mornings and I record and then I have the rest of the day to study. It's actually been easier for me to do my podcasts. (laughs) Crazy enough because like I'm very I have a schedule now where before I like didn't really have a schedule because the only thing I had was work. And then I would like, you know, just putz around and put this shit off. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to record this. But now it's like it's kind of easier for me to do this podcast because of the fact that like my week is so scheduled. So until I can't, I'm going to keep doing feathers in my hair. Um, If I had to pick between feathers in my hair and my Patreon, I would pick my Patreon. Uh, I mean, one of the main reasons being because I make money over there, like a good amount of money, (laughs) kind of a ridiculous amount of money for the amount of work that I do. Um, I'm so grateful for my Patreon. It almost feels crazy the amount of money I make. But then I remember I did this podcast for three full years, really barely making any money. I mean, I I make a little bit of money doing Feathers in My Hair, but like nothing significant. You know, it's not significant at all. And I am really grateful that I waited to do the Patreon until um, a time where I had really built up an audience. I'm really grateful for that. And I think that was a good choice on my end to not just, like, jump right into doing two podcasts at once. And I just, like, I mean, I I like being able to kind of talk about whatever I want on the Patreon. So that is probably what I would, if I had to get rid of one of them, I would. But I think right now my first option would be to drop feathers in my hair to every other week. But we'll see, you know? The reality is, it's just, like, I don't know. It's hard to be, like, I'm never going to stop doing feathers in my hair because, like, I don't know what school's going to look like. I don't know what my internship's going to look like. Also, like... Feathers of My Hair is probably going to have to end and all of these will have to be deleted (laughs) off the internet, like when I want to get a job. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we'll see. But right now I don't have any plans to do that. Uh, Laura Ella 3 says, can you just talk about Welcome to Plathville? No, because I, well, kind of. Um, I've watched maybe four episodes of Welcome to Plathville. I really like it. It's really fun. I'm going to watch a couple more and I'm recording an episode on it on my Patreon I think in three weeks maybe in December I can't remember but soon I'm doing an episode on Welcome to Plathville it's really I really like Welcome to Plathville but I watched those four episodes like over the summer so as of now like no I can't really talk about it because I have to refresh my mind on it but I will say I turned it on expecting it to be very Duggar like so at first I was like are these parents reasonable and then I realized no no they weren't reasonable but I I think Welcome to Plathville is very fun because it it's really interesting to watch the dynamics between like the the daughter-in-law and the parents and then the wild daughter and the studious daughter I really like these dynamics and I think they're very interesting and it all feels very real a little produced with some things obviously but it feels very real so I really like Welcome to Plathville. Okay, Momo wants to know, who are your favorite TikTok people to follow? I love Bunny. So first of all, if you guys don't know, one of the only things that I care about in this world is this TikTok account called What About Bunny? (laughs) It is a, I think she's a golden doodle or or she's some sort of one of those mixes. And her owner is teaching her to talk with talking buttons. (laughs) It is so fucking cute. And the interesting thing about it is that the owner is like very aware that it could all be bullshit, but she's actively uh, participating in studies with uh, speech pathologists and animal behaviorists, behavioralists at um, like, I think UC San Diego is one of them. So she's like, actually, it's becoming a scientific study, which is really interesting. And I just love Bunny so much. And Bunny's becoming existential because she got a Y button. (laughs) And a what button, and it's just been real fun. I love Bunny. So as far as what who do I follow on TikTok, um, I don't really use TikTok like that. I'm I was the same way with Vine. I don't necessarily have favorite TikTokers because I don't I follow people just to be like nice to give them a follow, but the way that I use TikTok is just scrolling endlessly through my for you page and letting TikTok get my algorithm. There's this one girl I think her account is Purple Bonnet. She's very funny. I like her a lot. I like Snarky Marky. Um, I it's just hard for me to say. Like, I don't really have favorite TikTokers to follow. I just like to endlessly scroll on my for you page. Okay, Robin Smith87 says, Are you a coffee or tea drinker? What's your order at Starbucks? If you go there, a fun fact about me is that I do not like tea at all. All. I don't like iced tea. I don't like hot tea. I don't like sweet tea. I don't like tea. Um, I've wanted to like tea my entire life. I always try and make myself like tea. I can drink a cup of tea if I had to drink a couple tea but, cup of tea, but I just don't like it. Um, as a child, there was this place <laughs> called A Taste of Britain that like my grandmother and Julia would drag me to all the time, and it was just like a tea and sandwich place, and I was like, I hate tea. But yeah, I don't like tea. I kind of I wish I did, but I don't. As far as coffee, um yeah, I drink coffee. I'm like drinking coffee right now. The interesting thing is since going on meds for my ADD, Wellbutrin, um I it's harder for me to like stomach coffee sometimes. So and I like keep trying to get these um fucking like I can't think of what I was saying. I keep trying to get these coffee drinks that are really sweet that I like because I, I have such a bad sweet tooth that I always felt like I liked. And now I can only drink like a tiny bit of them. So lately, I mean, my go-to order at Starbucks is just to get um a, what do I get at Starbucks? I just get a grande uh, almond milk latte with, sometimes with an extra shot. Like that's all I kind of really like from, not all I like from Starbucks, but that's like my go-to, not 100,000 calories type of drink. If I'm like treating myself, I love a caramel macchiato or a pumpkin spice i do like those but usually it's just like an almond milk latte the thing is though i i'm really weird in that i really like large portion sizes even if i'm not going to drink or eat them all so i've been ordering a grande a lot of mornings because they just opened a starbucks that's like on the side of the street that i drive towards work you know so it's like easy to go to and i just do a mobile app and it takes one second and I keep buying Grandes and then only drinking like a quarter of it because I just can't drink a ton of coffee anymore. Um, So that's really wasteful. And somebody told me that I should order a tall and ask them to put in a Grande cup. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I just don't like to drink out of a small cup. <laughs> I just don't like it. It's so stupid. Um, It's like truly, sometimes I think about like the things that I prefer and I'm like, but this is so stupid of me. Okay, uh, Caitlin Poozy asked who do you think our first woman president should be this is a really good question I think our first woman president is probably unfortunately going to be someone like Nikki Haley I think our first woman president will probably be a Republican I mean I guess if fucking Bernie or Biden dies it'll be Kamala Harris I've seen some people be like Biden's only going to run for one term run for one term and then he's going to let Kamala run and it's like no he's not I don't know why people think that. You have to have an ego the size of fucking Mars to run for president and then become president. Like, Biden's not just going to be like, okay, girl, you t- you go now. It's all you. No, please. Um, I, I'm not really a huge Kamala Harris fan as far as her policies and politics. You know, ACAB, basically. And I should probably cut that out because people are going to be like, fuck you, Liz. But whatever. It's my thoughts. Not a huge Kamala person, but... Uh, I guess maybe if Biden dies or has to sit down for whatever reason, obviously she would be the first woman president. But I think realistically, the first woman president is going to be a Republican. <laughs> Who do I think should be the first woman president? Uh, I'm not sure. Like, if I had my pick, like, would I love to see an AOC presidency? Sure, I guess. Like, we'll see. It's hard. It's hard for me to just, like, pick someone off the bat. Um, I really like Tammy Duckworth, but once again, like, I would just, I don't feel comfortable saying, like, who I think for sure should be the first woman president because I just haven't, like, delved deeply enough into every, like, major politician that's a woman, like, female politician's policies to be like, I definitely support this and this is what I want, which I think I would have to do if I do this. But in general, like, yes, I would like a woman president. Yes, obviously, I'd like her to be a Democrat, but I think it will be a Republican. But I really, like I said, I mean, I think I'm looking forward to AOC being a senator, I guess. Um, I'm looking forward to these young Congresswomen, the squad, if you will, uh, make some waves. I think that'll be interesting, but I'm not really sure we'll get a liberal woman president for a long time. Okay. Uh, Kaylee Barnhart says, are you following or interested in any of the Rachel Hall's drama? Not really. I mean, I like know Rachel Hollis and I'll like read some threads on her, but I just, she's such a fake bitch that like, I don't really care if she's getting divorced. I'm assuming that's, you know, that's what the drama is because I don't keep up with her that much. Okay. Bear 26 says, why don't you like Andrea Russett? Andrea Russett, if you don't know, is a YouTuber and I just don't like her. Like, I'm not, she to me is kind of like the definition of like, Basically, if somebody that... (laughs) Like a YouTuber that gets famous as a teen because they're cute, but like doesn't ever like really fully develop an, an adult personality that I find entertaining or appealing. And I think her videos are pretty stupid. And I think she thinks she's a lot smarter than she is. And th- but like that's not necessarily her fault, because I think that's what happens when you get YouTube famous at 16 and then you're like 24 and you haven't like developed a personality outside of that. I think she falls into that for me. And so she's just not that interesting. Okay, um, this one is, how do you feel about cancel culture, spe- specifically in relationship to Trumpers? Um, I don't really necessarily, like, I don't, okay, I don't really believe in cancel culture, which I've talked about on here I think that facing consequences for your behavior is not being canceled. I also think the reality is that most people n- don't really face long term consequences. I really feel like the only two people out of the Me Too movement that were canceled were uh, Harvey Weinstein and then maybe Kevin Spacey. Like, I think the reality is that, like, you get a lot of hate in the moment and then like everybody moves on from it like Shane Dawson's going to come back from YouTube and I think the reality is is that most people I I think people don't realize as far as like people that are famous that the I really for that believe in the silent majority in which that like most people don't actually care as long as they like the person you know so like they don't actually care if you're like a gross racist awful person as long as they like your content Uh, whatever that content may be. So I'm not really sure I believe in cancel culture. I do think as far as like influencers supporting Trump, um, I think that you should be held... I think that if you are an influencer, you need to answer for your opinions. If you want to be famous or being yourself, right? So obviously it's a little different than actors and shit. But if you want to be famous or being yourself via some sort of influencing social media content creator then you're famous for being yourself, which means all of yourself. And if that means that you support Trump, then I don't need to support you. And if you won't even speak out against Trump, then I also don't need to support you. Because I'm sorry, we live in an age where politics aren't private anymore. They're just not. And I think it's very silly to be like, (laughs) since when does everybody have to declare who they're voting for? I thought voting was private. It's like, come on, we're in 2020. This isn't a thing anymore. Like, I don't really care if Joe Schmo down the street doesn't want to tell me who they're voting for. I won't fucking ask. But like, if you want to make money off of being yourself, then I want to know your beliefs on social justice issues. And if they don't align with mine, then I don't support you. And that's not me canceling you. That's me only supporting people. Because once you're, if you're following an influencer in any way, like you're supporting them. So if I just don't really see it as cancel culture. I don't really believe in cancel culture as a whole. Do I think that people should be able to apologize and learn from their mistakes? Like, yeah, for sure. But I also, one, think it's very different. Um, And I talked about this a lot back in June, right? When, like, uh, a lot of the protests were going on. There's still protests going on. I mean, the Philly police just shot a man point blank in front of his family. And there's been a lot of protests in Philly. Um... But where was I with this? Oh, so I remember, I think in June I talked a lot about this. I think to believe in cancel culture, you have to believe that somebody inherently deserves their platform. And I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that you deserve your platform just because. And so if you do something or your old tweets come out, something happens, like, Just because you apologize doesn't mean that you then um, should be forgiven and your your platform shouldn't be affected by that. I think it's like I said, I think it's different with regular people in your regular life. But like if I say something on here and it offends you, like you don't have to listen to me and support me because I'm not guaranteed your listen. And I think when we talk about cancel culture, what we're kind of doing is basically implying that everybody deserves to have a platform. No. And when you're like, it was 10 years ago, whatever, get over it, they've changed. Um, That kind of feeds into that mentality. I don't know if that made sense, but that's kind of how I feel about it. And I keep clicking off the page that I'm on, because I wish I should like print out these questions, (laughs) like an old person, because I keep like, moving it. I just have them screenshotted in my phone, and I keep just missing them. Okay. Uh, Becca Carpenter, or Bika Carpenter, says, who is your choice for Chelsea's replacement, presuming, that, presuming they keep five-girl format? I'm not sure. I'm curious as to what they're going to do. I think that I... I don't know. I would be... I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Kayla up, and then maybe put one of the new girls from 16 and pregnant on Teen Mom Young and Pregnant would be kind of my guess. Um, I know Ashley wants to be on Teen Mom too, but I'm not sure. I feel like because they're losing someone like Chelsea, I think Kayla's life mirrors Chelsea's a little more because now she's in like this new relationship with this great guy and like all of that stuff, which like, you know, TBD. But I think Ashley might be a little too much drama ashley and Barr specifically might be a little too much drama for them to bring in to replace chelsea but i would be happy with ashley coming on uh team mom too like i think that they would be good because i think ashley is the star of young and pregnant but also if they did that i mean i guess they could move ashley up and put that madison girl from um the new season of 16 and pregnant with the racist mom like they're gonna put her on tv right they're definitely going to put her on TV. What I do, am pretty sure it's not going to be Rachel Beaver. Um, I think she's probably too much drama for Teen Mom. Okay, um, Squatch Huntress says, what shows do you like outside of Teen Mom? I mean, I will be honest, I don't watch as much TV as I used to because I just like endlessly scroll through YouTube and TikTok. It's like the shorter format just like kills my ability to do anything. It's not good. Um, right now I'm watching Breaking Bad, which I had started and then, like, never finished, so I like Breaking Bad. I just watched Queen's Gambit, which I really liked. I watched The Duchess on Netflix, which was, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't think I like this, but I watched the whole thing, and I think I, like, net-liked it. Um, this is, I'm like, I don't watch TV, but I do. I, like... I love Handmaid's Tale, even though I know everybody hates it now because it's just torture porn. I love it. I'm excited for it to come back. I saw a tweet the other day about Atlanta season three and four going to be great. And I thought, fuck, Atlanta. I totally forgot about Atlanta. Remember Atlanta? It's not going to be out till May 2021. But in May 2021, I'll be watching Atlanta season three. I love Insecure. I thought May I Destroy You on HBO was the best show of the year. It's fucking heavy. It's like super, super heavy. But it's so good. Um, I really like Chewing Gum, too, that she did years ago. And I just I can't remember her name. Michaela Cole, I think is her name. Uh, But she her success has been lovely to watch. May I Destroy You is or I May Destroy You, I think is what it's called. It was so good. Uh, I finally got into Succession and like Succession. Um, I love The Wire and Sopranos. I like to rewatch those shows like that. I mean, so I like a really good I like a really good drama. We're like a really well done comedy. Uh, I liked like season one and two of The Good Place. Then that kind of fell off for me. I was just watching something. I don't remember. But I mean, I I say I like most like prestige TV. Although I definitely have like fallen off watching new TV shows lately. Better things I love. Um, I would say some of my all time favorite TV shows are... Like Sopranos, The Wire, Mad Men. Mad Men is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I remember it took me a little bit to get into it. And once I did, I was like, I fucking love this show. Um, I loved Lost. Loved Lost, which, you know, (laughs) has its ups and downs. But it was the high of watching Lost has never been uh, replaced for me. That was so good. So, yeah, I like stuff like that. I would have to like go through Hulu to really, oh, I love it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I'm like thinking of my shit that I watch on Hulu, Hulu recently, like my previous, you know, like your previously watched shit. Um, I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls right now. I've always loved Gilmore Girls, so stuff like that. I just like I like a good, I like a well written TV show. I don't need there to be a lot of drama. So I've talked about the show Tremé on HBOs one of my favorite shows of all time and almost nothing happens in the five seasons or four seasons that that show was on TV and is absolutely one of my favorite shows. I think it's beautiful, brilliant, perfect. Um, I don't need there to be a ton of drama as long as it's well-written and I like the characters, which is kind of like what C- Queen's Gambit was for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I should answer this. What is it? What does a heroine high feel like? um, <laughs> it feels really good it feels really good it all it it feels good um it also I guess one surprising thing that people may not know is that it gives you energy like once after that like initial like you're fucked up thing it then gives you a lot of energy which I don't think I realized before I started doing it um it almost gives you like an Adderall like energy (sighs) Yeah. I mean, it, feel, it feels good. It feels really good. I had a couple people ask me if I cook and not really. I'm not a big cook. I'm not very good at it. It's just not something that I like have a lot of fun doing. You know, like it's not something that I really enjoy doing. So I've like never put a lot of skill into it, but I make like a couple things. Okay. You know, I make like an a pot. I make a lot of like for the week a lot. I'll make like a the pasta that I can eat over a few days with meat sauce. I make pretty good uh, chicken fajitas. I make this like tomato basil chicken, that's good. Um, tacos, just like ground turkey stuff. Uh, I'll make chili in the crock pot. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. That is actually what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to make chili in the crock pot tomorrow. So stuff like that. I'm not really a good cook, though. And if somebody asks, like, what I would cook to impress someone, I would say probably my chicken fajitas because those are good. My chicken fajitas are good. Um, okay, somebody, oh, same person says, how did I meet princess on the long dead emotionally broken psychos Facebook page. Uh, Oh, somebody asked, can you break down what has been going on with Kale since her arrest? The boudoir shot, the lawyers. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's very weird. She hasn't acknowledged it at all. At all. So it seems like nothing's been going on. She's just taking a lot of pictures. Kale loves a boudoir shot. Kale loves to take pictures. And that seems what she's doing. (laughs) Okay, as somebody asked for YouTube suggestions, family stuff, crazy people. Uh, like I said, if you're not watching Trisha and Ethan's uh, Frenemies podcast, you're really missing out. That's like peak wild YouTube. As far as families, I like slash hate KK and baby J. Uh, I watch a lot of ASMR on YouTube. I also really like, uh, like, Cody Co, and Drew Gooden and Smokey Glow and D'Angelo Wallace for commentary. Yeah, I think those are, like, a lot of people that I've been watching. I've been, like, kind of bored with my YouTube recently. I feel like I've, I need to, like, get some new people to be into because I'm kind of feeling a little stale, I guess. Okay, I did a really j- bad job, like... Oh, I know why. Like, didn't do a good screenshotting these. So now I'm like, why is it just the same question over and over again? Uh, Oh, somebody asked if my professor knew who Janelle was before reading my paper. No. And she actually, in the comments, like, had questions for me. And she wrote one. She was like, I don't mean this, like, in a professor way. I want to know this for real. If you think that these issues are from a lack of resource or, like, other stuff. And I wrote her back in an email And I was like, well, I think a lot of, I don't remember exactly how she worded it. I was like, I think that a lot of Janelle's issues do come from a lack of resource growing up. But I think that even without, even if they had had money, uh, there still would have been a lot of issues in their family because I think there's a lot of uh, mental health issues that are genetic. But then I brought up the fact that the two women on the show that had stable upper middle class, middle to upper middle class upbringings, Macy and Chelsea, While they had pretty dramatic teen and early 20s, they are pretty relatively stable, happy and healthy. And compared to all of the girls that grew up poor, they all have much harder uh, adulthoods. So I was like, I do think some of this is obviously like genetic and inherited and like a nurture thing versus or nature thing versus a nurture thing. But I do think there's a lot to be said about the fact that the girls that came from the most stable, highest income families, I don't think Macy grew up with particularly a lot of money. I think they're probably solidly middle class, but she did live in a two-parent happy home by all accounts. Uh, I think they probably, I think it's something to be said that they have the highest rates of like happiness and success as adults, right? Okay, where are we? I like... I really, next time I'm going to print these out. <laughs> okay, how do you feel about hard le- hard drug legalization in Oregon? Um, I do want to clarify that they're not, they didn't legalize hard drugs. They decriminalized them, which means that they just aren't charging for them. Legalization includes like a um regulation and decriminalizing means they just don't prosecute for them. I feel fine about it. I mean, I feel okay about it. I think that it worked in Portugal by all accounts, so I'll be interested to see how it works in Oregon. Um, I'm curious to how they, how drug dealers are handled in a decriminalization. Um, I think it's good that users won't be prosecuted and will be able to get treatment, I guess, like people that are uh, have substance use disorder. But I do question... Um, how decriminalization works with drug dealers, because I do think there's a lot to be said about the fact that we're focusing on treatment. Obviously, there's the whole thing of like, you know, when black people are addicted to crack, we didn't care about treatment. We just made the laws harsher. And now that it's white people addicted to opiates, it's a national crisis and epidemic. Um, so I think that the fact that the majority of drug dealers come from lower socioeconomic socioeconomic backgrounds and often do it because it's one of the only viable career choices for them, are we going to try and help them too? Or are we just helping the people that use? So I'm curious. I don't know personally enough about that. So I'm curious to see how that works. But I hope that any system that we have moving forward with decriminalizing drugs also like takes into account the fact that like dealers are not evil people and that like, we, they should be helped, you know, that, like, that, (laughs) that we have, like, a huge societal issue going on, and there's a reason that people deal drugs, and that they shouldn't be, like, that we shouldn't persecute users, but we should also not persecute dealers that are only really doing it, because that's, like, essentially the only option they have to make more than eight dollars an hour. I don't know if that made sense. Um, okay, so, somebody wants to know, is Kale going to face legal consequences when she appears in court. I doubt it. Um, here's the thing. Obviously, one, the fact that she's rich and white comes into it, right? Like, obviously, of course, the fact that her victim, Chris, is black, plays into this. And he's a man. Yes. Uh, but I think, I think people don't realize that almost nobody gets in trouble for their first offense, domestic violence. Domestic violence is not treated seriously. Even if it's a man beating on a woman, like, the, your first offense... She's never been arrested before as an adult, as right. Like I'm pretty sure she's never been arrested as an adult. Uh, this is her first offense. Will Chris and Kale now seem to be like, uh, you know, in a in a in a high of their cycle? So who, if Chris and Kale are in a good place when they go to court, Chris may refuse to cooperate. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if she got anything more than like anger management. But I think even if they like fully prosecuted her or, like, fully went after her, I don't I don't think it would be much. It's, like, her first misdemeanor offense. Like, you don't, most people don't really get in trouble for that. Um, okay. Where are we? Thoughts on Kale starting a new podcast with V? Mm, I mean, I guess. They have a podcast called Baby Mama No Drama, I think, or maybe just Baby Mama Drama, talking about co-parenting. I mean, I'll never listen to it. <laughs> No, I'll never listen to that. (laughs) But I mean, if they want to do that and they can make money on it, feel free, I guess. Um, Somebody says, would you ever consider doing an episode on the ethics of reality TV? No. I mean, I think that's like what this podcast is about and what I talk about in like all of my reality TV episodes. So I'm not sure that I would ever do a whole episode on it because I'm like, I don't even know how I would frame that like maybe i don't know i'm not sure how i would frame it basically is what i'm saying this one i thought was really interesting so i wanted to answer it cuz i would wonder this if you when you have guests who are also podcasters do you pay them to be on the show with you i thought that was really interesting the answer is no absolutely not um usually the reason that you have other podcasters on your podcast is one it gives them exposure you know, like they can be introduced to your audience and you, uh, the good thing about having other podcasters on is that you know that they know how to do a podcast. <laughs> so it's like not as much of a risk that you'll have a bad guest on. Uh, but the reality is it's like most people don't really make a lot of money with their podcast. So if I had somebody on Feathers in My Hair, it's like I'd be paying them $10. Like <laughs> so no, and I, like nobody pays me when I, I go on their podcast. The idea is like mutual exposure. That, like, they'll plug it on their podcast, like, hey, I went on Feathers, in my hair this week. And then when they're on mine, they plug my, they plug their podcast. So, no, but I thought that was an interesting question. Okay. Somebody, okay, a couple questions. If Cole and Chelsea voted and why I think they don't vote. And no, neither of them are registered to vote, as far as I can tell. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I know. Mr. America Cole does not seem to be registered to vote. And why I think they don't vote? Because I think they don't care. I think there are like a lot of Americans who just don't care. I think Chelsea had a totally stress-free week. (laughs) I think she just doesn't care. I think that's what it comes down to. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about politics, which is not something I can relate to, but I think is a thing that a lot of people feel. Okay, how broke do you think Janelle is now? Broke. Really broke. I I have no idea how she's making any money because she doesn't get sponsorships. So, broke. Broke, broke, broke. Maybe she's making money off her TikToks because I think they're paying for TikTok, TikToks now is my understanding. Um, but I don't think she's making a lot of money. Somebody wants to know what my Enneagram or uh, Myers-Briggs personalities are. And I don't know. I've taken the Myers-Briggs and at one point I would like saved in my email. So maybe I could look it up. But I don't, I don't even know like what I saved it under. Uh, I don't, I don't really like do tests like that. Breaking news, Joe Biden will be president-elect, NBC News Projects, 11.25 a.m. Yes, they called it. Fucking finally. Fucking finally. Yay, 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 yay. Glad to hear it. I mean, we knew this on Wednesday, but I'm glad to hear that they find. My mom just yelled. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's how I knew this was happening. My mom just yelled. So- Congrats to President-elect Joe Biden. That's really exciting. Okay, I totally lost my train of thought with that. <laughs> First, I thought my mom was cheering the dog because the dog has not been very well. But nope, cheering for President-elect Joe Biden. Now we see what happens. Okay, I'm only going to answer one more question because this episode is already an hour and a half long and my mood has now shifted totally off this podcast. <laughs> that being elect or that happening... um. You know, while I'm recording, somebody asked, what's the difference between Leah getting sober and you getting sober? Honestly, I just, after I heard that I wanted to end this podcast, not heard this question, heard the announcement I wanted to end the podcast, but I did want to answer this because I actually laughed out loud when I saw this. (laughs) Um, okay. What's the difference between me getting sober and Leah getting sober? Well, one is that Leah's not sober. Um, I mean, look, anybody, this is something I have trouble with because I do believe anybody has the right to define their own recovery. And if what Leah says is true, I do believe she's in recovery, but I don't think she, I mean, she drinks and I personally don't think that if you drink alcohol, you're, you, and using the word sober doesn't really apply to you. I think you could say you're in recovery. um, And I really in my day to day, I really try and let this go because it's not productive. And like, look, if Leah wants to call herself sober, she can call herself sober all she wants. Like, it doesn't actually affect me in any way. It's fine, right? Like I, I am proud of the progress Leah's made. I think it's even if like, things aren't perfect for her, obviously, like, it's very clear she's made a lot of progress. And like, I'll, absolutely give that to her. What I think the main difference is, is I think Leah still lies a lot. I think Leah's still lying a lot about her addiction. A lot, a lot, a lot. I don't think Leah is a truthful person. Um, And I think that that's probably where the biggest difference between me and Leah lies, is that I, or <laughs> me and Leah lies, is that I'm not a liar. Like that, that, <laughs> like I, I hate to say it, but that's probably one of the biggest differences in our sobriety journey, is that I have always been very truthful about what I went through and what my life was like and what it's like now. And I don't think Leah ever has been, including now. And I don't just mean like the fact that she got on TV, it took her like five years to publicly admit anything. I think that she is still lying. You know, she put out this book where you can hear me in the podcast where Jess and I reviewed the book where she says like she, the only time that she did non-prescribed drugs, they can't, they were pills from her dad And that she decided to go to treatment like that day. And now she's giving interviews saying that she was buying pills off the street all the time and that she tried heroin one time. And like, how can you put out a book in May? And then, like, in October, be giving a totally different story. That doesn't make any sense. I also strongly do not believe that her addiction started with that epidural. I just don't. If you go back and you watch from season one, there are scenes where Leah is high. And I had somebody on Reddit be like, I don't think she was high. She's just stupid. But that's not right. They're like, I think you're confusing, like, Leah being stupid with her being high. But I don't because... In most of the scenes, she's not acting this way. And then you'll get a scene where she's off her skull. Like, going back to season one, I think Leah's been using drugs for a long time. And whatever happened with epidural and getting more scripts, like, escalated it and pushed it over. I think Leah's a liar. I think is the difference between my sobriety and Leah's sobriety. Um, I think it's great that she's no longer actively addicted to pain pills, I think that's amazing. Like, I give her all the credit in the world there. And I hope that she never goes back and it, she never relapses with that. And I hope that she continues to make process going forward. I just don't think that she's an honest person. So I don't really believe a lot of what she says. I think I'm not really sure why other people don't notice that this, that Leah lies a lot. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot. I think Leah has a real problem with telling the truth about stuff. Um, And I, I personally believe that if you are going to market yourself as somebody that's speaking out for people that have addiction issues, that you need to be an honest person. And I I just don't think she is. She lied about living with Jason. She was lying about hooking up with Jeremy. Like she lies about shit all the time. And I think she's still lying about the addiction. She's still not taking a ton of accountability. Like she still will be like, and then Corey took the kids from me. Or she said like, when she said like Jeremy talked to everybody else but me about it, and then he just left. Like she still doesn't seem to take a lot of accountability. So while I think Lee is no longer physically on pain pills as far as we know, um, and for that, like I definitely commend her. And I she can call herself sober and recovery all she wants it. Even though like I'm like you're not sober, it doesn't actually have anything to do with me. So it's not really my place to say that she's not. If that's how she wants to define it, like she gets to do that. But at the same time, like, I think that if you are a chronic liar, as Leah seems to be, that you um, don't have a journey that's similar to mine. You just don't. Because I, not only am I totally abstinent from drugs and al- from mind-altering substances, and please don't fucking come on my page and be like, but you drink coffee and caffeine and sugar and mind-altering substances. That is like the least, like, authentic or genuine argument ever. We all know what I mean by mind-altering substances. Um, I just don't, I don't think that Leah's journey looks anything like mine, even if I was like still drinking or whatever. Like, I think that Leah is a very dishonest person. And I think that's the biggest difference between me and her. You know, I just do. Okay, with that, I'm gonna log off here. I actually have so many more questions. Maybe... I'll do a solid listen bonus episode on the rest of this. I don't know. I, like, have a lot more questions that I want to answer, but I'm kind of, you know, Joe Biden's president-elect officially now, and I just need to go decompress on this. And also, I'm starving, so I want to go make some eggs. So, yeah, I love you guys. If you want to join my Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This week I did an episode on Gabbie Hanna. Um, My episode next week, I believe I'm going to put out a Real Housewives of Orange County episode. I'm recording a Newlyweds episode this week. I have a Scientology episode coming up. Like I said, I'm talking about Welcome to Plathville soon. So, yeah, come on find me on Patreon if you want to listen more to my ramblings that are not Teen Mom related. If you liked this episode, and if not, I will catch you guys all back here next week. Fuck Donald Trump. This podcast started uh, the first week in January 2017. This podcast is, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel really excited that this podcast, Feathers in My Hair, is going to outlive the Trump administration. That feels really good that we started two to three weeks before the Trump administration started and we will be long outliving him. So truly, from the bottom of my heart, I'm going with my original sign off of Feathers in My Hair, which is fuck Donald Trump. All right. Love you guys. Bye.